Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. All right, that's that's the right level right there. How's everybody doing? Where's my midnighters? Who made it to midnight? You guys, that's crazy. Where are my real Christians? Come on, everybody else. <laughs> I was a 10 a, a 10 p.m. or so. I was a 10 p.m. or I don't know if that's holy or not, but I. I got, I'm going to preach that way. Like Kurt said, i got to live it out. So if I'm going to go to bed at 10, I'm going to say that's holy. And so my, I believe my son made it to midnight. Uh, my oldest son, Carter, made it to midnight. And then Wyatt was in bed around the same time as me. So, um, But what kept us up was um, I woke up having flashbacks of being in the war, and I've never served. I guess that's normal around here in Arizona is... Uh, <laughs> Is, is apparently having um, hand grenades going off in your neighborhood on <laughs> New Year's Eve. Is that true? Okay, well, I didn't make a police report in case that was you, but the altars will be open later. New Year's is a funny time. You know, we, uh, it's more New Year's resolutions. We all make, most of us make, I'm going to do something different, uh, weight loss or financial goals or spiritual goals and church goals and personal goals and and it's this time outside of like a few other events that, that really get the attention of a person in the direction in which their life's going. You know, a few other times, uh, sad times, like funerals do. Uh, so New Year's is one of those times. Birthdays or holidays or even a health crisis. There's a few events that we go through that really get our attention and, and make us really consider what is it, what direction is it that my life's going and do I want it to be going that direction anymore? Is there something that should or shouldn't be going with me? We, we do inventory of our life and the things that have happened throughout the year and, and we place value on whether or not that's gonna continue to go with us. As we've all experienced, uh, most of the time we make New Year's resolutions and they last about 30 days and the fitness industry gets rich off of us. You know what I'm talking about. We pay for gym memberships. We go three times in January and not again until December to cancel our membership because we forgot about it. And so, uh, anyways, those are, that's kind of the New Year's resolution, kind of the way things work. But I want to tell you about a funny year for me as far as New Year's. Uh, it was the first time that I had stayed up till midnight, okay? And I was, um, I think I was 10 years old. I was 10 years old. It was 1994. So you can do the math if you're good at math. But I was 10 years old in 1994. And see, it was a really tough year that year. There was a few major things that happened. Um, you know, Kurt Cobain had passed away. Uh, Nancy Kerrigan got attacked, if you remember that. She got hit uh, in the Olympics. Anybody remember those things? Okay. A couple other things. Gas got up to $1.09. I didn't even know how we were going to drive anymore. It was so expensive. We had to walk most places. It was $1.09. Another thing that was weird, the Ford Taurus, that was the most popular selling car. We were messed up if the Ford Taurus was the most popular selling car. At that time, that, a new car was $16,775. That was pretty good. Also, um, and, and this is probably a serious mistake, uh, genetically modified food began hitting the market at that point. <laughs> you know, and that, that's, whether or not that you like that or not, but that is a big change in our society, in our food industry, in health concerns and stuff like that. Another one is uh, O.J. Simpson. Who remembers what happens with O.J. that year? What was he driving or riding in? The white Bronco, right? Forever to this day, I'm driving around and I see a white Bronco, I think of O.J. Simpson. You know, another thing that was really hard that, we, uh, that year, and this actually really, really changed my life, uh, the Major League Baseball strike. Anybody remember that? They were striking because $4 million wasn't enough anymore. 
so they didn't play baseball that year because they weren't getting compensated enough. And, and I was one of these kids that was like super in love with sports. And, when, and that was like a, what would you call that? Maybe like a, an eye-opener moment for me when I realized that the way that I love sports was not what they were doing. That they weren't in it for the love of sports anymore. That something was different about that level of sports versus the kind of love and passion that I had for sports because I was paying to play sports and they weren't getting paid enough to play sports. I, I, I stopped following sports as much as then. I, I quit collecting cards that year. I quit, I quit doing all those things. That The last collection was that season of baseball cards. I remember the, the Michael Jordan cards that I had that year. The 94 was the first year that we went without Jordan. For any of my Bulls fans, remember he had retired and, and decided that he was done with basketball. And so 94 was that season that I didn't have Jordan in my life. And so there was a lot of trauma. <laughs> There was a lot of problems with 1994, but I remember this. <clears throat> New Year's Eve, Miller, Missouri. Anybody, anybody ever heard of Miller? You had three people, and I told two this morning just to clap for me, but you, you haven't heard of Miller. It's, it's, it's tiny, barely makes it on a map, but I remember uh, trying to stay up till midnight. I think me and my friend Monty and my brother, it, you know, my brother was still awake. I had fell asleep on the couch, and I had my pillow and all. I just remember waking up to like my brother's yelling and kind of everybody screaming and it was kind of chaos and, and, and everybody was running outside and happy New Year's and yelling and, and so I ran outside with my pillow and, and I was like happy New Year's and just threw my pillow up and, and looked up and my pillow just never came back down. And I'm like, man, that's a miracle. God, I threw it so far, I can't even find my pillow. I went inside and told my dad. I'm like, Dad, my pillow's gone. I threw it up. I don't even have no idea where it's at. And he walks me outside and looks up on the roof. I threw my pillow on the roof of the house. I didn't realize. I thought I threw it to heaven and God took it for me or something. You know, I was 10 years old and I still believed in those kind of things. You see, it was a funny year because I remembered, I thought I knew so much. And I thought I had learned so much. But I had so much to still learn. In fact, I got a picture I'm going to show you. This is a, a picture. It's pretty grainy because I don't know if you know, in 1994, they had really only Polaroids. And so this is a picture of a Polaroid picture. And so that is me on the left there with my brother um, on, the, on my right here. And my brother's name is Josh. And he, I look a lot like my son now that I'm looking at that, actually. But in 1994, I had a full head of hair. I had to learn that. That hair's not forever, amen? I learned that lesson the hard way. You know, they said um, in 2022, and you can take that down. Thank you, Jesus. Get rid of that. Uh, they said in 2022 on average that we picked up two unhealthy coping mechanisms on average. That, they, that, that the, the influx of information, that the intensity of society, that the, that the division, that the, the separation that we're going through, the, the, uh, the coming out of the pandemic, but we're still in a pandemic and things have changed so much that, that people have found like two new coping mechanisms to deal with all the stress that they're under. Whether that be food or, or spending, some people have increased spending habits or some people have increased their, or decreased their social connection or increased their social media time or they found two new ways to deal with the amount of stress that they're under. Because it's kind of been a hard year for a lot of people. You know, it's really been 
a, a difficult year to navigate how to, how, as we said back in 2020, let's just get back to normal. And then 21, we realized that's not coming around. There's no other normal coming back. And 2022, now that we're, we're right here, we're at the beginning of 23, and we have to do inventory on what our life looks like right now. Like what's really important? What are the valuable things that are supposed to go with us into 2023? What are maybe some of the unhealthy coping mechanisms that you picked up? Maybe through your trials or trauma or pressure at work or a new marriage, a new baby, finances. What are some of the things that you've done to kind of distant that, that recurring looping pattern in our brain that keeps telling us that you're never gonna figure it out, you're never gonna be enough, it's, you're never gonna be happy, you're never gonna, whatever that voice is in our head sometimes, what is it that we've picked up to deal with that, to cope with that? And so today my, my prayer is really this, that at the end of service, we will have an extended time for worship. My prayer is that you wouldn't wanna rush out of here that, that in our three or four songs that we're gonna be playing that maybe you'd wanna bring your family down and just sit at the altars for, for just 15 minutes and just pray about what 2023 should look like. What are some of the things that need to go with you? What are some of the things that need to not go with you? What are some of the things that you don't realize that you picked up this year as coping mechanisms or things that, that are unhealthy for your life and your marriage that we have set aside this time after service, after my message, to really dig deep into those topics with you. But we want you just to do it with the, do that, that, that kind of exchange with the Lord as we do our own inventory. So what can go with you in 2023? See, the first thing that you've really got to think about is, is that word purpose. What is your purpose? You see, I think through the hustle, the bustle of life, through work, through family, through all the demands of our schedules that sometimes we, we lose sight of what is actually our purpose, like that word purpose, the reason we exist. Sometimes we get, we get, things get overcomplicated or we get over busy, and, and, but this is a moment to be able to, to realign and decide the things that are actually important, the reason that you actually exist. You see, I got a confession today. <clears throat> and hopefully that's okay. I, I, I tend to be, I try to stay vulnerable. It's a healthy character trait of somebody of my personality type, a type A and runs all the time. If you stay vulnerable, it's healthy for you. You see, my, my confession this year is in 2022, I let too many voices dictate the direction of my life. You know, I got caught up really listening to too many people's opinions and directions of my life that really don't have an investment in my life. You see, I got caught up listening to, to culture and society. I got caught up maybe being even on social media too much and, and looking at what other churches might be doing or not doing and how I should do it and how it should look for me. And you see, in 2023, the first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna fast social media. It, back in 2019, I did this as well. And I actually deleted Instagram because I realized that, that I was spending way too much time placing value on what other people's lives look like and sacrificing what my life should look like. You see, and that is something that I'm going to do again in this January is I'm gonna revisit what Facebook looks like in my life and the amount of time when, I, when that little reminder pops up that you've spent an hour or two a day on the social media app, but then I'm also telling God, I'm sorry that I didn't get in my Bible today. 
it's, it's a time to do inventory this kind of Sunday. That we decide the kind of things that should go forward and the kind of things that don't need to go forward with you anymore. You see, and this is my word for the year, and so of course I'm going to use it today, but may my greatest title in 2023 be follower. You see, I followed the wrong things a lot of times in my life. If I could go back to 1994, Brandon, and tell him all the stupid things he was going to do and all the stupid people he was going to follow and warn him, I'm afraid he might have still done some of those things, though. But see, this Brandon right here today in 2023, the, the, the word follower means to be a disciple of Jesus. It means to be a pupil. It means to be a student, a believer, or an imitator. You see, following Jesus is repeated throughout Scripture that we would be his follower and follow in his footsteps. We see this in Luke chapter 14, verse 27. If you're following along with me, go ahead and grab your Bible. You see, Jesus says this in Luke 14, 27. And he says, and if you do not carry your own cross, everybody say cross. You see, think about the audience that Jesus is speaking to here. If you do not carry your own cross, these people had witnessed many criminals being forced to carry their own cross to their own death. Jesus had not been on the cross at this point. And so he's talking to a large group, it says right before this, that was following Jesus. Jesus is walking. There's a large group of people following him. He stops to have a teaching moment. And he says, if you do not carry your cross, you see, this would be like shock treatment almost. For somebody that, to, that's following Jesus and I wanna follow you, I wanna, I wanna be your disciple, for him to stop and say that you have to carry your cross and follow me or you cannot be my disciple. That for them, it would be this imagery of criminals that have carried a cross to their own death. That it was such a high price to pay that, that Jesus is letting them know that this is not going to be easy. That you're not going to be able to take all the things that you previously had and follow me with, with those things. You see, we also see this theme repeated in 1 Peter 2.21. He says that he is your example. Who's the he? It's Jesus, right? He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. You see that word follower, one of the, maybe a more accurate translation of that word would be maybe the word even imitator. That if we are to be a disciple, a, a pupil, a student, a, a follower, that it would be an imitator of Jesus. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, and it says this. It says, and you should imitate me, comma. Now, who's the me in that? It's Paul. So not only does Jesus say that we should follow him, but now the disciples and the, the apostles and the people that are, that are leading other people to Jesus are now saying that there's this transition that, that we should also be able to follow them, comma. Why is that? Because what does Paul do? 
He follows Jesus. That there's such a, there's such a likeness, there's such a, an imitation, there's such a mimicking of Jesus that Paul is so confident in saying that not only do I follow Jesus, I'm confident that you can follow me and be following Jesus. So now let's bring it back to 2023 and what can go with you. Let it be said that our greatest title of ourselves this year is an imitator, a follower of Jesus. Let you be so able to tell somebody else that you can follow and imitate me because I follow Jesus. That somebody could spend the time with you, that somebody could be with you and they could just by osmosis and being around you and, and, being, and learning your behavior patterns and seeing how you act in the world and seeing how you treat others and seeing how you live your life that, that you could say, imitate me because I imitate Jesus. You see, when Paul said this, he said, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Imitate Christ. Parents, you ever had this moment? No offense, boys, but it's, I'm gonna pick on you for a second. In fact, this morning is a, a, good, a good opportunity. Wyatt, here's your Z bar for breakfast, okay? Threw him his bar. What'd you do? He nodded his head. I got it, Dad. I, see, he nodded his head, but I could tell he wasn't paying attention. Any parents understand what I'm talking about? When you're talking to your children, they're like, yep, okay. And I'm like, I know that's not gonna happen. I know, I, the, like, they're, they're reacting, but the light's on on. Nobody's actually home. Nobody's really listening to me. Like, that, sometimes that happens. But, you see, sometimes when I'm talking about following Jesus and imitating Christ, sometimes I feel like we do that same thing in church to each other. Like, I get people nodding their head, and they're, they're, they're yeah, but, but then we, we jet out of here, and we go eat our lunch, and nothing ever changes. You know, we do that same like coping mechanism or survival skill, if you will, that we're nodding at the preacher, we're nodding at people that everything's good, we're nodding that we're living our life for the Lord, but, but we're not actually letting it transform us into the image of Christ. Like Paul could say, like, you can imitate me because I imitate Christ. Pew Research says this. It says on average that 63% of Christians read their Bible once a week. 63%. I'm a numbers guy. I know Kurt's a, a, a numbers guy. We really, we kind of like looking into this stuff. It says, Pew Research says on average that about 63% of Christians read their Bible once a week, but this also includes church attendance. I have a problem with that stat. You see, you'd have to tell me what other category in your life that you can show up and check in once a week and call yourself a committed person or a follower. You see, for me to say I only read my Bible once a week and call myself a follower of Jesus, it, it, you really have to be able to look at the facts of what our life is actually producing that I think in 2023 that we can do better. We can spend more spiritual discipline time separated from the things of the world and giving it to God that, that you couldn't, hey babe, this year, once a week, I'm gonna check in on our marriage, but I'm gonna still be a committed spouse. Is that okay? A relationship doesn't work that way. Or even better, hey, Pastor Kurt, 
I'm going to pop into work once a week and check in on my job, but I still want a paycheck and still want to be called an employee. It doesn't translate, does it? But we'll call ourselves followers of Jesus, but yet only check in once a week with them. You see, Jesus goes even a step further than being a follower and carrying your own cross. Matthew 28, 19 says this. It says, therefore, go. And this is why I love the church in the Nazarene. This is why I love our history. It's our, it is our mission statement as in, the, in the church of the Nazarene that we would go and make disciples. That our life, that we would be a holy people set apart from the things of the world and that the things of the world called acceptable that we would live in such a pattern in such a way that people could look at us and say that that's Christ-like because we imitate Christ. It says not only are we to be followers of Jesus, but then that our life is supposed to create disciples of Jesus as well. It says, therefore, Jesus took it a step further and said, therefore, go and make disciples. I want you to close your eyes for a second. It's kind of a heavy message, I know. And I think that's why the, the Lord's given me a, a cold for a week because my voice is raggedy and I can't yell like I want to. <laughs> With your eyes closed up, just you and the Lord inside there. If we are called by God to go and make disciples, How many people this year did you disciple? Not me, not Kurt, not the staff. I'm talking about you. Between you and the Lord right now, I want you to think about that number. How many people did you lead to Jesus Christ this year? And in 2023, that that number cannot be what it is right now. I mean, that's our commission, that is our calling as believers. You want to talk about the most radical church growth plan ever? You can open your eyes. If each one of us just said one this year, we would run out of chairs fairly, fairly quickly in here. If our life so had impact on somebody that they looked at us and said, I need to know what's different about you. Well, you can imitate me because I imitate Christ. You can mimic me because I mimic Christ. And that they would want to know that Christ that you know, that your life would, would at least have a one in 2023 when you answer that question next year. That your life would, would let go of Facebook, Brandon, and make two hours a day for your relationship with the Lord. Let go of Facebook, Brandon, and make another hour a day to go sit at the coffee shop and meet some transgender person that will never walk in this church. But I could do it there. That in 2023, when I get to December, I can't close my eyes and I can't say, God, but, but I, I had all this stuff that I was busy doing. You see, to be a, a follower of Jesus, we got to imitate the, like the character and the, the person of Jesus. But in order to do that, you've got to know Jesus. 
intimately on your own personal level that you will never come to understand who Jesus Christ is fully just through our messages once a week checking in. That, that the, the greatest thing that a believer can do is have a daily deep desire and appetite for this word and get to know the, the person of Jesus Christ for yourself. Are you guys with me? Amen. Like I, it's not necessarily like a, I'm, I'm rubbing people on the back and telling you how great we did in 2023. That's not the point because you, you did do great. We made it. We survived. We're here. <laughs> We're here. You see, when I talk about the character of Jesus, the greatest thing I can think about is, is the first thing that always comes to my mind, and maybe it's different for you, but the first thing for me is humility. Like this word humility is something that I, that I constantly have to think about personally in my own life. You see, humility is to disregard all concern for rank and privilege and to live one's life in service to the least of these. You see, humility, as I had a mentor once teach me, Brandon, humility is the ability to not be offended when I tell you that you're, you're not right. That you need to change something in your life. You see, humility is an honest evaluation of what's good in your life, but then also what needs to change. You see, this, this word humility, it's the ability to actually compare yourself only with Jesus. Humility only compares ourselves to Jesus, the one we are supposed to be imitating, the one we are supposed to be mimicking, the one we are supposed to be following. But I get so caught up comparing myself to what I see online. To what I'm comparing myself to, is it, it, it's not even near the standard that Jesus has called me to compare myself to. You see, this word humility with Jesus, we see this in Luke 14, 11. And it says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. The American way is to exalt ourselves. In fact, I have a definition for that word exalt here. That way you can understand and kind of put those pieces together. But you see, that word exalt says to, to elevate in rank, to elevate in dignity, to elevate in power, to elevate in wealth, to elevate in character, to promote myself. You see, the American way, the American system is to elevate our lives, is to promote ourselves, is to compare ourselves to others. And, and based on where others are and where I am, I know how I'm doing in life. But the word of God says completely contradictory that if we, if we elevate ourselves, that we'll be humbled by him. But if we humble ourselves and only compare ourselves to Christ as our standard, that then he can elevate us. Then he can use us the way that he wants to use us. But when it's polluted and diverted into different categories of who I'm comparing myself and who I'm following and who I'm supposed to be like, when it's not just Jesus, 
we'll always feel like something's missing in our life. You know, in that quiet place when nobody else is there with you, and it sure looks like you got everything together in your life, but you're sad and you're heavy and you're kind of empty and you really don't know why. It's because the standard that you've been measuring yourself to isn't the standard you were created to measure yourself against. And it'll always leave this tension inside of your soul that you're not enough, that you're never gonna make it. And until the character of Jesus, until you're mimicking Jesus as your standard and not the standard of the world, you're always gonna have this void right here. You're always gonna know how to say the right things because that's what we're taught to do. Just like my son nodding his head when I tell him to do something and it never happens because he never heard it, but he said he, he said he heard me. We know how to respond like we're listening. But sometimes letting that kind of information in and actually letting it happen is different. Here's our problem. If you're writing notes, I want you to write this one word today. You got any note takers still? Okay. Glory to God. Extra, extra golden heaven on that one, I think. Here's the problem. Excuses. When I'm talking about myself, you're thinking about stuff in your life too that can go. The problem with excuses, excuses, a reason or an explanation put forward to defend or justify why we do what we do. Right? Luke 14, 18, in this same chapter, Jesus is teaching a crowd of people with him, tells them they gotta carry their cross, they have to literally give up their life and be slaughtered like the other criminals they've seen carry their cross. And, and then it talks about this, this great invitation to the banquet that he's inviting all these people out. Come on in, the banquet's here. It's right here, guys, the great banquet. Everything that you ever have searched for, that thing that you've missed your whole life, it's right here and it's ready for you. It's prepared. Just come on in. And it said, even then, the first thing that came out of people's mouth were these excuses. One person, I, I bought an ox and I gotta go take care of my ox. My, I, I, I have business things I have to go attend to. Uh, one person said that I just got married. I, I gotta go take care of my wife. You see, this is the thing about excuses. They're so effective. We have a society, we have churches that as long as you don't call me out on my stuff, I'm not gonna call you out on your stuff. As long as you don't challenge me on my three hours of Facebook a day, I'm not talking about your Instagram use, don't worry. High five, I'll like it too, or follow whatever that is, whatever I'm supposed to do. But the truth is, the things that have clouded up our lives and the information overload and all the voices that I confess to you that I've been listening to that I probably shouldn't, those are things that I put in place of having my time with Jesus on a daily basis. I'm gonna invite the worship team up. Did good on my time, I'm doing good so far, hallelujah. And everybody else can go and stand up as I'm, I'm gonna wind this down over the next few minutes. You know what it takes to stop making excuses? Courage. Courage to admit that you've been making excuses, one.
But even right then when I say it, this is what sneaks in our minds, is our justification. You see, I easily, when I say that to myself, when I know I, know I can do better, I know I can give more to Christ, I, even while I'm preaching, this is what's happening in my brain, so I know it's happening in some of yours. I instantly am measuring myself against other people I know do less than I do. That's the standard of, I measure myself against other people. That's me exalting myself against somebody else's life. And the word of God's very clear that if I exalt myself, that he'll humble me. But like to have humility is an honest evaluation of really where you are today. I'm asking them to bring the house lights down just a little bit. I want the lighter lights help you think a little bit better, I think. You see, C.S. Lewis said it this way. Our excuses are bred from a place where we don't really believe. We don't believe in his grace. We don't believe in his redemption for us, his glory, his forgiveness. But to let our excuses go, and you guys can start picking in the background if you don't mind for a second. To let our excuses go, there's going to be a cost cost you see this word cost we see in the scripture over and over and we see it in Luke 14 that that word cost is an amount that has to be paid we're going to have to give something up in order to really imitate and be followers of Jesus Christ and I'm not saying you are on our save I'm, I'm not questioning any of that I'm asking you in 2023 what is going to be said about your relationship with Christ what is the, the standard that you've been measuring yourself against? What are the things that have to go, the things that have to change? You know, Luke says this, Luke 14, 27 and 28, back to the beginning. He says, if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Verse 28, Jesus said, don't just follow me because the crowd's following me or you think it looks good or you think I'm gonna make your life better. Jesus says, but don't begin until you count the cost. That cost of following Jesus in 2023, it's only gonna get higher. It's only gonna require less convenience and comforting things of your life. And so here's the question that I wanna leave you with before we go into a time of worship. What will it cost you to be a follower of Jesus in 2023? I warned you at the beginning and now this is where we are today together. We have an extended time of worship. We have a solid 15 minutes right now that you don't have to go anywhere, you don't have to do anything. All I'm asking is that you sit in the presence of God I believe that God's presence changes people. It changes things in your life. I want you to do inventory in your heart, in your family, in your life. And maybe you're supposed to sit at this altar with your wife or your, your, your kids or your friends or your, maybe you're single in here. Maybe, maybe that's, this is your year, 2023. 
but you better count that cost. You better lay some things down and say, God, this isn't going with me in 2023. I'm not picking that back up. That's not going with me, God. So I just, I wanna open these altars right now for us. That if you sit here at this altar for five or 10 minutes, sit at your seat, lay on the floor if you have to. I don't know what you have to do, but get in a posture of humility. You know, like humility, like your face is on the ground and you're like, God, the only thing that matters is you. God, I, I, I can't do this by myself, but the only thing that matters is you. I'm not exalting myself in this world anymore, God. I don't care to look a fool in front of people. I don't care what the world says about me because they're not my standard. They're not my measurement, God, that you are. So God, I give you all of me and all of my family and everything that I have to offer is yours because it never was mine anyway. And let it be said of me this year that somebody found you, Jesus, because of the way that I live. Let it be said that somebody found you, Jesus, because of the way that I lived. So Lord, I just... I invite you to do what only you could do in this place. That only what you can do in this place, God. That we can't do it on our own. And we can't do it alone. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let's just worship together. Amen.